Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the John Papaloni Show. Today, I have America's happiness coach, Laura Di Benedetto. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to chat with you about my favorite subject. <laughs> Ooh, let's hear it. What, what is your favorite subject? That's making people happy. We live ah. in a really weird, contentious time. My favorite subject is not my dog losing her mind, but my favorite subject is happiness and helping people to be happy because we live in such a contentious and weird time where people just have forgotten how to be nice to each other, nice to themselves. People are afraid to pursue things. and They're living in fear, especially post-COVID, more than they've ever been. And well, my mission is to help people to be courageous, brave, do awesome stuff, start that business and really live a joyful life. Well, yeah, I'm going to touch upon that. You're saying people are still afraid after COVID and everything. Why do you think that is? Like what? I mean, I mean, obviously we got the stupid fear mongering going on, but aside from that. Well, um, I can say a lot or a little on the subject, depending on how hard you want to go at this, but. Um, oh, dig deep, deep because that's your, uh, that's mm -hmm. pretty much your why, right? So let's dig deep in that. Sure. I mean, I think that people have been frankly misled. And there was a lot of fear mongering that happened and people were paralyzed by fear. I think there's a lot of um, uh, efforts on the part of um, government governing bodies that are much larger than the United States that all have a vested interest in making sure that people stay afraid, spend money and they're compliant. And, you know, it's forced people to alienate their loved ones, say goodbye to friends not pursue anything and just consume, consume, consume. Remember the whole toilet paper shortage? I mean, come on. It's just, it's forcing people to do things that are out of character. And after, you know, two and a half years of this, people have changed and they just have. And, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of people waking up to the fact that they've been lied to. There's probably at least a few people listening to what I have to say right now. They're like, I don't like her. She said that we were lied to. Well, Mark Twain has a, a quote about that. Uh, it's easier to convince people. Um, what does he say? He's like, it's easier to lie to people than it is to convince people that they've been lied to. Um, something like that. And um, I think that's a lot of what's going on. And, and I stand for sovereignty. Not just, you know, oh, I'm free and you can't tell me what to do. But I want to help people to be free of the things that make them scared. I want to help people to be afraid, um, you know, afraid of nothing, really and really just filled with a tremendous amount of possibility and hope and courage and kindness towards people who disagree. Kindness towards ourselves if we made a mistake or we made a misjudgment during the pandemic and we you know, did something that we regret or said something we regret. Um, so <clears throat> with my book, The Six Habits, um, Honestly, I wrote it before the pandemic. I was not expecting it to be uh, a handy dandy little pan book, um, pandemic uh, recovery guide and handbook. Um, but it's become really useful for people who um, were afraid to leave their home or um, were gripped by the fear of always dying. You know, the, the thing about always being afraid of death is you forget how to live. And my book is designed, it was designed before the pandemic, to give you your sovereignty in your head so you're free to live your life on your own terms. Wow, ain't that the truth? Right, like, you're right. And that's the thing, right? Like, you, you came across two points here that stuck with me. One mm -hmm. is that people became so afraid of death that they forgot how to live. 
Yeah. The second point. Oh, crap. I forgot what the second point was for a second there. Um, <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> Lesson one, be kind to yourself and laugh about it. <laughs> it's it's true, though. But yeah, no, no, you're right, though. Like, you were absolutely right about that. Like, and oh, it's about opinions. That's right. Now, yeah, yeah here's, here's where I was going to go with it, right? Like, and I think this has something, it was even before COVID, like the whole opinion thing is, I think it's a whole generation that brought it to the front and I don't blame the generation. I blame the parents that raised them because they taught them to, you know, beware of everything, follow the rules, beware, do not think for yourself, you know, watch out because this could happen and that could happen and don't worry, we're here to protect you. So nothing's going to happen. And then they come out and saying, Oh, well, everything's going my way. And then they go into the real world. and It's not their way. And now what ended up happening is they've been so sheltered and so confined that they don't know how to handle opinions. I mean, I could say well, I disagree with you here, and then that'd be a problem, like you said. I mean, yes. I don't disagree with you, but it's not my point. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, let's say we did. We should be able to have a, a courteous, friendly exploration of ideas. And and I think I think that's actually really important. So, you know, obviously the six habits is, you know, it's it's the book. It's a wonderful book. I would encourage anyone listening or watching to get it, read it, really do all the stuff that I recommend. It'll make your life better. But there's a lot of reasons to do that. Um, you can handle disagreeing with people when you love yourself because you know that their opinion does not make you less than. Their opinion does not threaten you in any way. It is simply their opinion. And because I am now a very confident courageous person who loves myself, not an ego, but I genuinely love me. Like I take care of me. I believe in me. Like I know I can do stuff and I know I, you know, I'm smart and I've got a lot of stuff going on. Like I know that, but because I have all of this confidence, which I created using the stuff that I outline in the book, <clears throat> I can have conversations with people who I flatly disagree with but I don't get mad. I don't feel threatened in the slightest. I'm just like, wow, how fascinating that you feel that way. I mean, I, I don't agree with you, but I'd, be, I'd love to learn why you feel this way. And what was your life experience to uh, that led you to this opinion? Because I had a different life experience. I'd love to share mine. And, you know, my curiosity can sometimes end in an argument. Sometimes it can end uh, in uh, a wonderful conversation, but it largely depends on the person that I'm speaking with. If I have gotten the good fortune of speaking to someone who has done the work on themselves in the way that I have, I end up having a magical conversation where I learn, sometimes I enhance my opinion, sometimes I add to it, sometimes I move my opinion or sometimes I double down, it depends. Um, but I, get, I make a friend even if we disagree because we're both confident enough to handle the diversity. Um, but if I engage in conversation with someone who has not done the work on themselves, the conversation, quite frankly, turns into a disaster. And it becomes just basically this contentious, heated, emotional display. And I want no part of it. And that's when I'm like, nope, I'm out. You know, and I just honor my own boundaries and just cut it off. And it doesn't have to be that way. Like we can have wonderful relationships with other people, but it begins with a wonderful relationship with ourselves. Well said. Thank you. Now, I love how you said boundaries there, right? That's something I find a lot of people, you know, <laughs> they forget to create. Like they go through life almost like people pleasing. And, yeah. and it's, 
I don't know. I think it's kind of sad. But aside from <laughs> that, where I'm going with it was the fact that I don't think we were born with boundaries. I think we learn to set up our boundaries. And, what Indeed, was that and it's thing? also up to us to enforce them, too. Like, we can't just be like, oh, this is my boundary. And then when someone crosses it, just be like, okay, no. It's like, okay, that's not okay with me. I would prefer you do this instead. You know, and it doesn't have to be this awful thing. As a matter of fact, boundaries are discussed um, within the fifth habit um, in my book uh, extensively. Um, I think a lot of people misunderstand boundaries as something bad, like boundaries um, are something that you do to someone else, or it's you keeping someone at arm's length. And that's actually not the case. It's not how we should perceive it in the way that we're giving it or that we should receive other people's boundaries. It's really just, these are the rules of how you treat me. And either you want to comply with these rules of how I expect to be treated, or you don't get to be in my life because I'm intolerant of certain things. And, and that's it. Like I'm not, I have a boundary. You don't get to come into my house and start moving my stuff around. If you do that, I'm going to usher you out, get out of my house. I hate this. What are you doing? Right. I mean, that seems I'm, I'm using a silly example because nobody except my mother would come into my house and like start moving my stuff around. But like, I could easily say, could you please not move my stuff around? I don't like it. I really would prefer it there, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? And it's using just a silly example helps us to realize, yeah, maybe it's not so hard. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and that, again, though, it takes, <clears throat> I, I would say it takes a trigger for people to actually think about that. Like it's usually a response to an emotion or something that somebody's gone through or, you know, like when people, like, let's face it, it's natural and not in a good way for people to step on each other's boundaries and cross it. And Absolutely. again, growing up, a lot of times we don't fight for ourselves or like step up for ourselves. We put up with it maybe because it's somebody we trust and like, and uh, we justify it somehow. But I always find that there's that moment where we just say enough is enough and something triggers that. And then at that, at that point in time, we definitely put up our boundaries and say, no, not anymore. If you respect it doesn't me. even have to be that way, though. Like, you know, the reason why we're taught not to have boundaries is, is because our parents and our teachers don't want us to have boundaries because we are easier to control when we're children. I mean, it stands to reason. If you have a tiny, like, three-foot-tall terror running around your house, you largely don't want them saying no to everything. You want them being compliant. Like, I get it. We all get it. You know, it's easier to have an obedient kid than a little <laughs> little person that's five years old who fully understands their sovereignty, oh, oh, oh. especially when they enjoy like fire and marshmallows and everything else. It's like, oh, God, we're going to set the house on fire and it'll be covered in sticky goo. Like, no. <laughs> right. So like, you know, I, fundamentally, we understand it. The problem is many parents, I'm not going to say all, but many parents and teachers and, and people in positions of authority in our lives as we are growing up do not actually teach us what healthy boundaries look like and how to have them, how to create them, and that they're actually a good thing. That, hey, um, you know, daughter of mine, this is how you should establish boundaries with a boy when you start to date. These are the things that you feel are okay based on what you've told me, and these are the things that you said are not okay. So this is how you do it. We don't teach our kids how to do it because we ourselves largely don't know how to do it because we learn from other people who are ill-equipped. So we're basically inheriting 
I hate to say this, but generational incompetence. We can break the generational incompetence by deciding, oh, hmm, boundaries are actually healthy. They help me to have a better marriage, a better working environment. So I'm not working 20 extra hours for free because they put me on salary and the boss is taking advantage of me. You know, um, boundaries help me to not be taken advantage of by my friends who want to look at me as a free therapist every time they go through something or boundaries help people to not borrow money from me and then never pay me back. Like boundaries keep you safe and they keep you happy and they allow other people to know the rules of the road. Right. That makes sense. So obviously you wrote a book, right? Not everybody will write a book. Now, some people don't have the desire to write a book, whether it's fear, whether it's not not lack of interest um, mm -hmm. for many reasons. And then there's other people that want to write a book, but don't know how, or mm -hmm. again, fear controls them. And then there's the ones that do write the book, but there's usually an inspiration behind it. So mm -hmm. we're going to, what I could have just said is what was your inspiration to write your book? But I had to take the long way there. <laughs> we took the long way around the barn. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not always succinct either. <laughs> That's all right. You should have seen me trying to write my Ted talk. I was like, but I have mountains of content. What do you mean? 12 minutes. <laughs> it was really hard. Uh, but I wrote my book actually because I changed my life because I had this crazy idea and it worked. And it made me feel so much better that I wanted to share what I did with other people. So basically, let me tell you a brief story. So um, I retired from my first company that I started when I was 37. Now, this is notable. I'm fully aware, right? Most people are like, wow, you retired so early. Well, you know, in one hand, they're like, wow, that's a really great thing. On the other hand, it's like, well, why should I take advice from you? Clearly, we're so different. No, I just started early. I started a company at 19 years old because I'm deeply unemployable. And, you know, I, I did what society taught me to do. I did the whole hustle and grind. And I just, I was always like selling my time and my soul for money and success and awards and TV exposure and all this other stuff. And I, I was successful, but at what cost? I was bleeding internally. By the time I retired, I like, I, this is my phrase and it's kind of a joke. Like, I skidded to the finish line on my face. Like I was so beaten up and tired because I didn't have good boundaries. I didn't love myself. I didn't treat myself well. I was just taking everything for granted. I hated my life. I was struggling the whole time. And, you know, yes, I retired at 37, but it was, it was such a hard won battle. And I just thought to myself, Good God, that sucked, right? I wasn't proud of myself at all. None, I wasn't proud of any of my awards, any of my, um, you know, large media appearances, nothing, nothing. I was just filled with anger and resentment and fatigue. So then I had some time to think about it post-retirement. Turns out it's kind of quiet. I was like, oh, shit. Well, turns out I'm not happy. Why? And I was just like, oh, I'm just, I'm just a, you know, bitter, crappy person. Nope, I'm not. I'm simply a victim of our societal conditioning, like many of us are. And I was like, well, I know that there's happy people out there. I'm obviously not one of them, but what can I learn? So I became like a professional creep, I like to call it, and uh, started doing some 
social science and um, observing people um, and their behavior, interviewing people, um, looking at scientific studies, also looking in a lot of the thought leadership that's already out there and that's been out there for a very long time. And I notice patterns, and that's probably one of my most amazing gifts that God has given me is my ability to notice patterns and solve problems. I, I think it's what makes me a good entrepreneur. But I noticed that there was six really particular things that happy people had in common that I didn't have. I was like, well, what are these? It turns out there are six mental habits. It's the way that these people think in six particular different areas. And I theorized, well, if these are, if that's the way they do things, that feels like a habit, but not a physical habit. It's gotta be a mental habit. So I started looking into the science of habit formation. Turns out it takes at least 66 days to form a habit. Um, and to, to deal with my ADHD, extremely stubborn, reluctant brain, I was like, well, I'm gonna give myself 90 days and I'm going to force myself to do all of these things, even when it feels weird. I'm going to be that happy person for at least 90 days and see if it sticks. Well, it stuck. Um, it changed my life to force myself to do the things that I, um, that I did. And it was, it was hard. I thought I was a failure and a fraud some days. I felt silly some days. But the thing about habit formation is even if it feels weird, like if you try to write with your left hand and you're a righty, I'm a righty, you know, if I did it for 90 days in a row, it would begin to feel automatic and not so awkward after a while. And then you would, you know, pick up a pen with either hand eventually. You just would. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you've heard stories of people, you know, losing a hand and then they have to write with the other hand and then it just becomes habitual. Like we can be taught. You can be taught new thought patterns get new grooves going in your brain. You can do this. I did. And I'm so stubborn. It's not even funny. So um, the, the six habits are outlined in the book, but I'll tell you what they are. It's, it's how we treat ourselves. That's called kindness, how we feel about ourselves, which is acceptance, our general approach to life and what happens, which is gratitude, um, our ability to show up, which is presence, um, our ability to manage energy that comes at us uh, and what we um, allow in, be it good or bad. And then the energy that we put out, which is the habit of intention. So these specific six things, um, if we can live with these behaviors for 90 days, we will be the very best version of ourselves. I won't go so far as to say we'll be different people, but we'll be people that we're really proud of being because we'll have so much friggin' joy radiating from the inside that's effortless. I reclaimed my health, started healing my body. I stopped the bleeding internally. I finally saw a doctor who set me on the right path. I lost weight. Um, I stopped like the crazy, like up and down dieting. Um, I repaired my marriage that was new, but already in trouble because I was being such a dirtbag. Um, you know, I, I started like believing in myself again. And I was like, I want to start another business and I don't know what to do. And then I was like, oh, wait, I have this message that I want to share with the world. Well, my business is my book. Here you go. Here's my book. Everybody pay attention. Here's the secret sauce. Quit being unhappy. Here's the magic. Do it. Because the thing that is wonderful about um, happiness, it's the kind of 
worldwide pandemic that we do want, a pandemic of joy, something that is so damn viral that it spreads from person to person, and it could so easily, easily, but it begins with us. That's interesting, right? Like, to be honest, that whole story was interesting to me because there's so many things there that I can relate to. Like, in words you wouldn't believe. If I were to tell you, you would be shocked. Will like, thought. What? <laughs> well, I have plenty to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's incredible, right? Like, like wow. You know what I mean? Like, like even like your whole story, I've uh, I've ended up in the same boat that way. Except I've learned to just continue on and ignore it. Um, mm. There's moments I have. Like the, the one that sparked my attention, like the one like that really got me thinking, hmm, was uh, a friend of mine or acquaintance. I'm not really sure which one it is. But we went, we were hanging out, and he just drove. I didn't even know where the heck he was driving. But he was driving, and we are having a conversation. Next thing you know, I'm in the, we're driving in the middle of a field. I don't know how the heck we got there. And I got so distracted with the conversation, which, to be honest, that could have been in a horror, horror movie. <laughs> but um, I went there, and all of a sudden, just grabbed the sub from Mr. Subs, drove through the field, shot the crap, or shoot the shit. And then next thing you know, I found myself in this happiness, that happiness that I haven't felt in a very long time. And I can't explain it. I don't know why. But it's almost like everything that was bothering me was gone. And nobody had taken me, you know, or brought me to a place where I could have felt that. And I would say at least 10 years at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just could not explain it. Um, we literally did nothing but shoot the shit and drive through a field, which I don't even know where it is, even though it's close to where I live. I still don't know where it is. But um, what? It's a magical field. Yeah, for real. It was just weird. I guess it was an experience. You know what it is? It's, it's almost like he took me to a place where everything was on pause. Nothing to observe. Nothing to get distracted by. Nothing to, mm -hmm. you know, like no negative energy to take in. It was just a field and conversation. That's and awesome. I guess that took me to a whole different experience. Now imagine and if you got to enjoy that every day. Yeah, yeah, that'd be incredible, right? Like, well, just, we can, right? And and that's that's a lot of the 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 basis of what I put forth in my theories and what I'm saying to you is it's like if you build a mental habit, that wonderful transformative experience that you had that time could be had in whenever you want it. You could have it on a Thursday at 3 p.m. between meetings if you want to, but you have to develop the mental muscle so you can get yourself there and train yourself to do it. Like we're so diseased and sick as a culture because we're all about our stupid smartphones and TV and the Kardashians, ugh, like, and all of these terrible things and social media and whatever. It's just, it's so bad. We don't know how to like human anymore, but we yeah. can, we can easily teach ourselves. And that's, that's my mission. And that's what I hope to do. Well, I mean, good for you. I mean, good for you to do that. Like, and I'm not surprised that you had to do something after you retired. Yeah, um, neither am I. Uh, apparently, I am allergic to sitting still. Discovered that too, but I don't need to write a book about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of those things. It's fun to stay home and do nothing for six months. Then it's like, okay, been there and done that. Now what? Yeah, I know. Right? So mm -hmm. it's, uh, 
it's kind of crazy how things work like that. So I know. Yeah. So with that being said, okay, that's good. So you had, how did you start your first company? Like, where did that come from? Right. Cause I mean, okay. Yeah. You figured out you're not the go to work type of person and be told what to do. Yeah. But yeah. Was it obvious? And um, <laughs> so at 19, I decided to uh, try to have jobs. I mean, I, I mean, my first job was Burger King. Actually, I really enjoyed that job. Um, I had a lot of fun just like running around in the chaos. I mean, cause I was on, it was at the busiest rest stop on the Massachusetts turnpike. So it was like full chaos all the time. I have ADHD. My brain loves chaos. Um, <laughs> no, it does. I myself, the human do not enjoy chaos because what it does to me, but my brain seems to like it. So it was probably to this day, probably the most fun I ever had at a job. Um, but you know, I, I found myself trying to like get jobs after college because I, you know, I went to college and it was just too far away to commute back and forth and everything. And, um, I just hated them all. So I just wanted to start my own business. I did. And, um, you know, it was a bumpy ride. I screwed up a lot. I was extremely stubborn, but you know, I, I'm so glad that I did. And I would love to encourage a whole, whole legion of young people to be entrepreneurs. You will learn yourself. You will learn the world. You will learn how to convince other people of your ideas and be calm in so many different situations and see what you're made of if you start businesses. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. I've, uh, like I said, I'm an entrepreneur myself, serial entrepreneur. I uh, can't sit still either. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, last few uh, podcasts I've been on, I have my uh, cap for my camera, and I'm usually fidgeting with it. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a fidgeter. That's funny. I, I wasn't before now, but apparently for the last little while, I have been. <laughs> New well, habit, okay. Fidgeting really helps people that, you know, have like a really um, active need to like be physically doing something. So, you know, with my ADHD, sometimes I'll be like listening to a seminar or listening to my audiobook or whatever, but I need to be physically doing something. Maybe I'll be doing a craft. Maybe I'll be like gardening, cleaning the house, something I have to do physically, but like just sitting still and passively like receiving something is a no for me. I can't, I, I have a very hard time watching TV for that reason. Yeah. I, what TV watches me. <laughs> 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 me. That is more true than you know, my friend. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm serious. I tell everybody that. And they say, I, you know, when I'm leaving at night, like I'll leave my sister's house. And like, oh, you're going to go home? Yeah. You're going to watch TV? I go, nope, TV's going to watch me. I go, no, I'm going to go watch The Good Doctor, but that'll be for about five minutes. Then The Good Doctor will watch me. And it's literally five minutes later. Next thing you know, it's the morning. How did I get here? I'm still on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. My husband's attitude, he'll throw on old school, like the real OG um, unsolved mysteries so he can sleep. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got now it's become a habit, right? If mm -hmm. I want to sleep, turn on the TV. So okay. otherwise, I'm staring at the ceiling just like this all day long and I won't be able to fall asleep. <laughs> That's fine. But yeah, so with that being said, okay, so it's good. That's good that you found a path and all that. Like, how did you choose it? Like, I mean, you, you got into advertising of some sort, right? How did you choose that that avenue? Like it could you could do anything in the world. How did you come across that? Um, it's something I'm just innately good at. And um, it's kind of like sales. Either you can convince people of your ideas or you can't. Um, it's just, you know, one of those things that you understand. So yeah, I just I had tried it. 
um, running a motor, um, motocross track actually. And, um, yeah. Okay. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, it's just interesting, right? Cause so many things out there and it's like, sometimes we stumble upon things that in weird ways, sometimes mm -hmm. it's just natural. <laughs>